Audio Frontier. This is Football Daft with Stephen Purden. Midfield Dynamo and Average Archer. Chris Toll. Target Man. Suspicious Character. And... Welcome to Football Daft, the daftest Scottish football podcast around. I'm Stephen Purden and let's welcome the team. First, a man who this week is celebrating a win at the Royal Television Society of Scotland Awards for his role in Rogue to Wrestler. It's Chris Toll. Come on, by the way. I know, but listen, you've made that sound as if I won an award. It was Rogue to Wrestler that won the no, award. No, mate, 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 I'm, 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 I'm punting. I'm punting here because you're, you're my boy. It's Football Daft. Many shows is that even involved in it's one of awards now? Dos. Aye. You forgot about another one, but just for the just for the listeners, yesterday Chris Toll tweeted in the group chat. The first show I've been involved in that's won an award. You forgot about Scott Squad winning a BAFTA. He's turned into a showbiz monster. <laughs> I mean, but mate. Two, two awards, two shows, two awards. I'll get you another citizen, mate. Get us an award, mate. Barry says he's going to be on the phone shortly. Aye. Aye, Barry Scorsese. But where is Grado this week? Where is he? Um, You know what, man? Your guess is as good as mine. No. No, we know where he is. We know where he is, don't we? Aye, he's away to, he's away to Jerry Pliny's gaff, isn't he? Aye, he's the last a- week, you know what I mean? Jerry Pliny last week, he's peaked and there's no point continuing, you know what I mean? He's, 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 the... he's, he's playing the crossbar challenge at the bus park. <laughs> <laughs> on his own. <laughs> Filming it on the iPhone, they're going to send in to Soccer AM. <laughs> no, but to be fair to the big man, he is working, he's out there on the front line, he's constantly reminding us of that, but he couldn't be here this week due to his commitments to the fire service. So fair play to the big man. Right, so this week, right, since we last spoke, I just want to get us out there. I was in a eSports Scotland. We're in cahoots with the NHS. We're raising money, doing a FIFA tournament, raising money for NHS charities, the heroes out there. And again, I got to the quarterfinals and again, I found myself up against a man called Ewan Cameron. Are you familiar with Ewan Cameron's work? Um, um, he's, uh, his body of work is exemplary. <laughs> has he been in award-winning shows, but mate? Well, I don't know, has he? I don't Probably, know. to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, mate? Surely he won an award for... He's missed it! Oh my God, he's missed it! I can't believe he's missed it! He was... Finals up against me for about a full five days. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been hammering FIFA non-stop, right? So every time I looked at my phone, it was a text message for you. Big bloody monologues, right? How he's he plays as a team, he attacks as a team, he defends as a team. He's in Division One online seasons now. He's 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 his skills are just he's through the roof, right? So he's giving me he's actually recording his goals and sending me them, right? Telling me how much I'm going to get pumped, right? So it came to the quarterfinals. We started the match. Ewan went 1-0 up. To be fair, he's, he's improved. He has improved. I equalised. Then Ewan went 2-1 up. And then he was Liverpool and I was Liverpool, right? 
he started slagging me because I was playing Jordan Henderson. He was playing Oxlade Chamberlain. So then I equalised to make it two each. Went to the golden goal. He's slagging me for playing Jordan Henderson. Who scores the golden goal? Jim would have loved that, I'm sure. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest so what, with you. I turned it off at full time because I thought it was a drawing. He's have had to have played again. But once again, you have played each other numerous times now. He's beat me once. I've beat him every other time. And it was it was sweet. Then I got to the semi-final and Sean Kelly pumped me. That that was it. Aye, he absolutely destroyed me. It was a, it was a different level, you know what I mean? But I beat you again, and I was happy about that. What have you been up to this week, Tol? Me? Uh, well, I've had my dog. I got my dog, as you've seen last week. Aye. Um, just to be honest with you, mate, for the past for the past seven days, I've been just picking up shit. Aye. Um, <laughs> what have you been doing for? Oh, me? I've, I've been painting the fence. That's about as exciting as it gets for me. So did I, mate. It's a brutal job. Oh, I finished it yesterday. Oh, you think it, it's going to take like a couple of hours and then you go f- four or five hours later, you're still going at it. I think everybody I, in Scotland has painted their fence, though. No, yeah. It's pissing, did not it? Because I'm, I'm a Karate Kid fan, so I know exactly how to do it. Right? <laughs> and it'll only take me 20 minutes. So <laughs> I'm leaving it to another Monday. I have to say, when you look at the Karate Kid, Miyagi had a lot of fence. That would have taken longer than a day for uh, Daniel San, by the way. That's a fair job. Oh. No wonder he kicked fucking Johnny at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a good, good few days, man. Now the rain is pissing down. I miss you. I'm going to go and do it again. Stevie, who get the top of your fence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not even joking, man. Even the, even the ladders. The ladders were struggling to get me up there yesterday, man. When I had to do the bit that's on top of my wall. Oh. <laughs> right, Scott, Scottish football. What are we thinking? Reconstruction, what are we thinking of that? I think, again, I think they're still pissing into the wind with that, but it's the... It's a wee bit more positive the, this week, though, is it not? Yeah, start date, haven't we? First of August. Do you know what I mean? So, it's looking decent, but the, the virtual season tickets... Don't get me started. I, I, I can see the big rain coming ahead. I want to get you started. Virtual right. season tickets. What, why are they stopping teams from making more money by selling virtual tickets to anybody that wants one? Well, I mean, not everybody will want to buy a season ticket, but mm-hmm. maybe, there's, maybe there's like a, even like a Wraith Rovers fan or somebody like that, right? well, obviously not Wraith Rovers, somebody in the Premier League, but a, a Motherwell or somebody like that that wants to watch like the Hamilton Aki's game, Motherwell versus Hamilton Aki's. Why, why mm-hmm. should they not be able to buy a ticket? I know, I know, why, I know. Why not just split the money between Sky and the Scottish football? For every, for, make it a, a fiver or a tenner per game. I would do that. But what you're running the risk with now with this, this season ticket thing is, my mate's got a season ticket, mum will all go into his house and watch the football. Right, so where's mm-hmm. his social distancing there? Whereas mm-hmm. if I could buy it in my own house, all I need to do is put on the telly, press the button, put in my card details, I've got the game in front of me. I don't need to go around to my fucking mate's house and risk my life to watch fucking Celtic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where's the thinking behind this? It's a very valid point, I know. I get that. It is, it is going to be, I mean, it's, going, it's kind of going to be contradicting itself because you touched on it there, it's true. There's going to be... For example, one guy's got it, so there's about seven of his mates coming in to watch a game. 
and it's exactly. going to be kind of defeating the purpose of why we're doing this in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's, ex- that's exactly it. And you know what? I've not heard anybody mentioning this. No, I've not either. I've not seen anybody comment and making this, this point because what you say, that is a valid point. It's dangerous, but there's an easy way around it. Let everybody buy the game at home. I make it more accessible to every every supporter out there that can just go, like you say, like it's like a, a pay-per-view kind of hang on Skybox office. If you're right. sitting there and you see the option, you can just go boom, and that's it. That's and then it. the money goes, aye. I've got a question for you. How much would you pay for a virtual ticket? I mean, in saying that, those Celtic Rangers, Livingston, Ross County, Motherwell and Aberdeen have all said season ticket holders are going to get to watch it for free if I'm right. But yeah. see, mm-hmm. anyone else that's wanting to get a virtual season ticket, how much do you think should be the going rate for a virtual season ticket? I guess it's club dependent. You know, Celtic uh, or Rangers will charge more than, say, a Ross County or Livingston. But how much How much do you reckon would be a going rate for a virtual season ticket? Maybe half. Half price. Aye, half the price of a normal one. The, the next step is so. cameras on every fucking seat so you can have your own actual seat to watch a <laughs> game. <laughs> Aye. It's like that thing I sent you last week in Denmark. It was like fucking it was like a Zoom chat at the side of the pitch. That was amazing, man. That was amazing. Can imagine sitting there in your living room screaming at somebody taking the corner or something, do you know what I mean? Like this comes over them, 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 them. <laughs> I think the the reconstruction we can go back to reconstruction, you know, and they're saying four, you know, it's looking more positive and they're saying 14, 10, 10, 10 this week, right? I don't think I think they'll be lucky if there's two leagues of 12 start the season next season. Because see all the, the, I, lower, the, all the lower league mm-hmm. teams, they can't afford to play behind closed doors. They can't afford to. No, I think they'll be no. lucky if there's... I mean, from a, a purely Falkirk selfish point of view, it probably means we're going to be in the championship next season, right? But, right. but I, I honestly don't think clubs <coughs> will be able to open their doors. I think after this season, there's going to be a major, major reconstruction of Scottish football. I mean, from the ground all the way up. See the way that we were doing the, the pyramid thing? I think they're just going to roll all into a big national week. They need to. Because, like I said, there's, there's teams in that and the, the ex-junior leagues that have got a much better infrastructure than your teams like, like an East Fife or something like that. You know what I mean? So, no disrespect to East Fife, but just for talking sake. There's teams like Spartans, there's teams like Kelly Hearts, there's teams like Aurora Rangers as well. And the, the infrastructure that they've got is becoming of a, pre, a, a professional football club. And then you look at some of the teams that maybe haven't got that in place, like, like again, just for talking sake, maybe like a, a Dumbarton or something like that that's going to find themselves in dire straits because of this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Just, it's, it's hard to watch, but it could, in my opinion... After this, this could work out to the betterment of Scottish football. It's, it needs that Scottish football. I think it, it does. It needs a it needs a reboot, man. It needs like see the way the Germans done it. Do you know what I mean? Like making it so much more accessible for fans to go and see the training for grassroots. It needs because a lot like John saying a lot of these clubs they're not going to come back for us. They're no. But you know, there's no other player to help them. Uh, you're right, but do you know what I would like to see in place? See like it, see the way the American sports do drafts for the schools? Mm-hmm. I'd like to see something like that put in place for Scottish football, even other parts of Scottish sports. You know what I mean? Where once they get to a certain point during <clears throat> like the like educational side of things, they then move on and the clubs take them on, but they have a draft 
once they reach mm-hmm. a certain age, like maybe 16 or 17. And then you would mm-hmm. see teams like Albion Rovers and stuff like that, maybe because they're lower down, they get a, an earlier pick in the draft, and then they get a mm-hmm. higher quality of player, and then that can bring them on. And, and if you do it that way, you can bring in wage caps for new players, you can do all of that. You know what I mean? So Scottish mm. football really need to take a leaf from the American system, in my opinion. And then if, if they get kind of first pick on the draft, they get the best player, and then that player does do really well, the club makes money when they sell that player on, and exactly then it's a domino effect, clubs are making money and money. And it's just that as well, Stevie, like you can, they can filter down to the schools as well. Because it's say, for yeah. example, like just again for talking, say, say Airdrie get this, this player, and he's a world beater. And then the next mm-hmm. season, there's interest for England. Say they get a couple of million for that, right? Then the, like, the school, the schools that brought that player through, then get a percentage, and it filters down, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. I'm, honestly, man, we need somebody that's going to have the the foresight and the forward thinking just to rip Scottish football out completely and build they need it you. Back. <laughs> they need you. Where's Where's my stick? Where's my pointing stick? Yeah. あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あ
Jim's abandoned us this week, lads, as well, so it's up to us to tell you about G4 claims. If you've been in a road traffic accident you're not at fault, G4 claims can make it easy for you. They can provide you with complete accident management support they require. They'll recover their costs from the at-fault party, sort out a like-for-like vehicle replacement. They'll also organise your vehicle to be repaired at one of their approved body shops and return to you. Should your vehicle be deemed a write-off, they'll recover the pre-accident value for your car and write you a big flat cheque for it. Best of all, it won't cost you a penny as they charge the at-fault insurance direct. That's that's the main part about this one. At-fault insurance. See if some arsehole drives into you. Run it into them. Get the money off them. Arseholes. Right, anyway. Uh, G4 claims don't cold call. They don't buy data and once they've processed your claim, your insurance will remain unscathed. And the best thing is the Colony team over there won't take your case if they don't think that they can help. So if you've been in a road traffic accident or know someone that has, got on to G4 Claims on 01698 767, Gregor's favourite aeroplane, 172. That's 01698 767 172. Get them at or find them on social media at G4 Claims on Facebook. Stephen? G4 Claims. Not at Fault Claims. Claim. Made easy. Football Dafts. Big Question. This week on the big question, it was fa- it was fairly simple. Who is the best Scottish player to never have received a cap for their country? And for all the people that thought they were funny by saying Anthony Emmy off the back of that clip from Talk Sport that does the rounds, shame on you. Hey, so what do you think, Chris? I'm, do you know what I'm going to say? He's a laugh at me here. I'm going to say Gary Harkins. Genuinely. Let's see you can laugh. Gary Harkins was a very, very technically gifted player, man. I know he was. That's what I'm saying. I've said it before. The guy never had the career that he should have had. He was, he's one of the most talented players that I've ever seen playing against Celtic at Celtic Park. Scottish, I mean, obviously. Do you know what I mean? So, I, would say, I would say Bomber Brown. John Brown? Mm-hmm. 100%. I would say John Brown. Great he, he was he was actually he done well at Rangers, but he was actually a better player before he went to Rangers than than he, than he showed at Ibrox. To be honest with you, I was more of a more of a goal threat and all that everywhere else. Scored the hat trick against Rangers actually, did he not? Aye. I'd say John Brown would tell you himself his best days were at Rangers, mate. He was That's playing. because he was a Rangers player, mate. <laughs> it's because he was winning trophies, mate. <laughs> Aye, well. Aye. Oh. <laughs> (laughs) That's him trying to spell Rangers training ground. Oh, oh can she? <laughs> right, Daryl McBay says Tony Fitzpatrick. Tony Fitzpatrick yeah. was a player. Aye, aye. Aye, man. Decent manager and all, wasn't he? Aye, aye. Sam Daly, Airdrie keeper, John Martin. <laughs> a man we both played with, Stephen. Yes, good, good, good player, good player. Yes, yes. Absolute fucking lunatic. <laughs> Here's a good one. 
Craig Charleston says Kevin McAllister. It's almost criminal he didn't get capped. He's twice the player Pat Nevin was, and he got picked before him. Kevin McAllister was a good player. Kevin McAllister, listen, there's only one, as, as I said to you on the chat, boys, when I put this question out, this is a trick question. The answer is Kevin McAllister. because aye, aye. There's no way. He played for Chelsea, obviously. But he was voted to play the Millennium at Falkirk. Played for Hibs, and he was with a old-fashioned winger, Jimmy Johnson, Pat Nevin style, and he never got a look in at Scotland for some unknown reason. He was a great player. Right, we've got KP says the only correct answer is John McGovern. The only correct answer. There have been world-class players with very few caps, and there's a two-time European Cup winner with zero. What the fuck were we playing at? It looks like we are. We are or were the only nation ever to not play their best players. I think that's pretty much uh, like runs through Scottish football. I mean, like you see, you you've players like. Jimmy Johnston and uh, Willie, Willie Henderson and that, right? The reason that Jimmy Johnston never get as many caps for Scotland is because they, him and Willie Henderson, you know what I mean? It was one or the other kind of thing. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it just so happened that the Scotland manager wanted uh, Willie Henderson. But see players like this, like John McGovern, he's down at uh, Nottingham Forest winning the European Cup. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Why yeah. the fuck? Why well, is he not in the Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's not even as if that's the time where we had we had players that were like knocking on the door. Aye. You know that Paul, that guy. Paul McCall says Chick Charlie by a distance. That's a shout. Chick Charlie was a talented player. He was a good player. Kevin McAllister again, crunchy played with distinction for Chelsea, Hibs, and particularly Falkirk. Quite frankly, it was a scandal. He was never capped. His cup semi final man of match display versus Hearts was magical. Uh, Derek Cox. Who says none other than to winning Rangers legend Jerry Pauly? Who's currently doing a soccer AM video with Graham Steveley? <laughs> Football daft with G4 claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Get them now at notitfaultclaims.com. The Legends Lottery on Football Daft. On Football Daft, we have made it our mission to find out where the cult heroes are now on our Legends Lottery. Each week, one of the team is tasked with finding a former club legend from Scottish football and getting them on the show. Then it's up to you, the listener, to rate how good out of five the guest was. Grado still in 3.6 with Kieran Mack and Espity's name. I'm level with him after Chris Mullins scored 3.6. And poor Chris, he was doing there on 2.2. He's struggling with Mickey Weir on 2.2 down there. But after last week, changed as his scores have come flooding in for the legend that is Mr. Jerry, the myth, the legend, Alini. What's your scores, producer John? Well, we've done all the toting up, um, and the score for Mr. Gerald Pellini was a 3.9. What? 3.9? Oh. Whoa! Come on, no bad. But, well, well, see, as I was expecting, five. I'm not going to lie. Expect, after the build-up, we built this up longer than a WrestleMania storyline. And then we get him in. Do you know what I mean? And it's a 3.9. Who's listening? I'm looking directly into this camera. There is my camera. See you. See whoever voted for a <laughs> one or a two. Me and you are going to roll about, pal. 
Okay. <laughs> I know that. What a fun way. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? I, and I'm raging for a different reason. I wanted you to fail. I wanted it to be less than 3.6 because it was my fucking birthday. It was my birthday. Oh, but listen, mate, I'm glad you had a good birthday. I like, like to say if you had a good birthday, but no, Ali McCoy to speak of. So it's your turn no, this week. No, Ali McCoy. Right. So this week, uh, I was tasked with finding the legend. And you know something? I think my legend's lottery could hold his own as the main guest on the show. I'm that oh, confident. No way, man. Come on. See if this is Ali McCoy, I'm going to fucking pick your head in. <laughs> Are we getting mine birthday present? Ali, come on. No, but I, I mean, I told producer John who it was and he was a bit, he was like, ah, he could be a main guest. You know what I mean? So this week I have ex-Rangers, ex-Kilmarnock, Left back, Stephen Smith. Stephen Smith could be a fucking main guest. Aye. aye. He's better, better be good. There aye. we go. It better That's be better than Jerry Pellini's, man. I'm telling you, I want him to be up there with Gerald. I want him there in a 3.9. I want a, a 4.5. No, I want a 5. I want a 5 for Stephen Smith. A 5? I want a 5. I want a 5. So here we go. It's my Legends Lottery pick this week. Here we go. Former Rangers left back, former Kilmarnock left back, Norwich Preston, Stephen Handsome Smith. There we go. Awesome. I'm going to be honest, Stephen. It's nice to meet you, mate, but I'm gutted because this is a good one. This is a good one. Yeah, fuck up. Who are you expecting? I don't know. You never know with him. He could come up with fucking uh, Johansson or somewhere or <laughs> the guy that he's met down the court. You've got a good one this week, you bastard. Well played. Obviously, you've been a fixture of Scottish football and English football for a good few years now. You've still managed to somehow be younger than me, amazingly. I don't know how the fuck that's worked out, but you've had a good career so far, Stevie. How's it been? It's been fine. As I say, I retired just over a year ago. I started Moan Academy, so... No been able to do sessions for the last three months has been a bit difficult. Um, but again, I'm just trying to deal with it the best I can. I think this is us starting to get back to a bit of normality. So hopefully in the next week or two, I can maybe start back one to one sessions and stuff. But I'm just going to the guidelines with the government. So it's still a bit unclear in terms of the football and grassroots stuff. So I'm just waiting to get it all clear to go back. So tell us about, about your academy then. Where's it, where, where is that based? It's uh, Mulgain Bears Den. I do it. Um, and as I say, I started that basically two or three months after I retired. So it's it was just getting to that peak time for me with Easter camps and summer camps coming up, but obviously you've had to kind of cancel them. So um as I say, I'll wait and see when, when I start back what the numbers and stuff are like. So you've got a you've got a soccer academy in Mulgay and Bears Den. Is it hard for the Wings to run about with the silver spoons in their mouth? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's quite a common thing. That, that's, that's what people think a lot of the kids up here, but honestly, it's not, it's not like that. It's, it's just got that reputation, I think. I mean, I grew up in Blanter, or, or Blanter so it's, um, as I say, <laughs> it's a wee bit different for there, but as I say, they've got that reputation, but it's not really like that for me. So, Stephen, looking back on your career, you've had a, I mean, you're part of title winning Rangers teams, do you know what I mean? So, what's, what's your fond memories of your career? Sorry, Chris. I'm away. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, 
I think I, I grew up, I started the Rangers when I was nine. Mm-hmm. So I kind of grew up there and that's all I knew. So it was all, all I ever wanted to do was play for Rangers, obviously being there for that, that young age. So I think when I made my debut at 18-19, again, it was all I ever wanted. It was all I ever dreamed. I didn't think, I think kids now have got all these ambitions of going and playing in the Premier League because that's the big thing. But at that age for me, it was just about playing for Rangers and I'd done it. So um, as I say, I, I achieved everything that I, I wanted to achieve. Obviously, there were setbacks within that, but um, I managed to achieve everything that I set out to do. So I'm quite happy with that. So what about when you were at Rangers and your time came to an end? Was it Norwich you went to after that? It was Norwich, I, so as I say, I grew up at Rangers for nine and I think I left when I was 24 the first time. Fifteen. So mm-hmm. I could have stayed for another year, um, but at that time, I'd been through a lot, so I'd been injured quite a bit and I was trying to get back in the team. I'd played a few games, but I knew I wasn't going to be first choice. I thought at that point I'd to try something different. Looking back, I probably wish I stayed for another year. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I made the decision to go to Norwich. Never worked out. None of the moves I had in England kind of worked out, and I think the longest I lasted one in the club was six months. So, um, I guess you played Pre- Preston as well, didn't you? You played for? I but I initially went to Norwich, and then after Norwich, I went more to Aberdeen, um, and then after that, I was I was if I'm being honest, I was going to sign for Aberdeen, and I was wanting to sign for Aberdeen, mm. but financially it just wasn't going to be right. So I ended up going to Preston. Um, mm-hmm. I actually quite enjoyed it, but after three or four months, the manager gets sacked that signed me, and the mm-hmm. new manager that came in was a. Absolute walloper, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, he hinted. Aye. So, Tell us what you really feel, Stephen. Aye, well. <laughs> he's only one throughout my whole career that I think I would say that about. I mean, there's a hundred that are. Who is it? So if you just Google him, you'll know. All right, yeah, I'm going to find it. How did you find your time at Aberdeen? Obviously being an ex-jail, what was it like? What was the fans in that? Were you accepted all right? Uh, it wasn't too bad. I think I went when they were really struggling. I was there. It was, the only reason I went is because Archie Knox phoned me, uh, ah. and I knew him from my Scotland under twenty ones kind of stuff. So having Craig Brown were there, we obviously got a lot of respect for. So they were the main reason at the beginning that I went, and it was only supposed to be. I think it was a six month loan. Mm-hmm. So when that six months was up, they were wanting to make it permanent. But say financially at that point, Aberdeen were I think they'd finished ninth at the end of that season. So it's quite a poor Aberdeen. Aye. Aye. For me, it was perfect because I got back playing again and I enjoyed it. So that's exactly where. I wanted to go. Aye. I wanted to be back to Scotland and at that time, as I said, that was probably the best option in Scotland, but it just never worked out like that. Aye, aye. And you also went to, where is it? Where did you play for? You went Portland Timbers, wasn't it? Went to Portland Timbers, aye. Tell us about that. That must have been an experience, man. Have you got a plank of wood? <laughs> no, but Boydies always says he's going to give me one, but I don't think <laughs> he's get chased out that quickly. They never get time to pack them in. <laughs> <laughs> It was, do you know what, that was, for me at that point, I know that was, as I say, I was leaving Preston and Boydie phoned me and asked me if I would go. And John Spencer was the manager, obviously, he was Scottish as well. So at that time, that was, that was perfect for me, it was something different. And it's probably, the, I'd say, the most enjoyable year that I had in mm-hmm. terms of playing. It's, there wasn't as much pressure, obviously, as playing back here or playing for Rangers, you'd get the pressure to win every week. But just at the kind of spotlight, a wee bit playing over there, even though it was still a big club when you were playing in front of big crowds, it was just, there wasn't as much negativity out there. It was a wee bit more positive and, as I say, I quite enjoyed the environment that we were playing in. What was the standard of player like earlier? Was it alright? Do you know, I, I went out there and I was expecting them to be murdered, if I'm being honest. Aye. And technically they weren't great, but see, fitness-wise, every one of them's an athlete. So they're Aye. big and they're quick and they're strong. They might, they might run the ball at the pitch every now and again, but they're, Aye. to be fair, their work ethics in terms of hard work and training, training like absolute animals as well. They're all super fit. So I was surprised by that. Um, and they were a wee bit better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's quite ironic that uh, Chris Floyd moved to Portland 
and put on a fair bit of timber. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? See the, see the first two or three months here, that's probably the best I've seen him in terms of He was yeah. honest, that I signed, I think they'd already maybe, maybe played eight games, so I missed the first part of the season. I mean, I went there, he was super, super fit, and then by the end of it, I think he'd have a follow with the club and he ended up leaving and stuff. So by the time he came back, he'd probably put on a few pounds, but actually at the beginning, he was, he was training hard and he was super fit, so... Um, probably the best and worst team that they've seen over there. <laughs> so listen, getting back to your time um, at, at Preston, who signed you for Preston? Oh, for Preston. Right, okay, that's all I needed to know. Cheers, mate. <laughs> 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 who was it? Uh, Phil Brown signed him. It was the man that came in after Phil Brown. It was a walloper. <laughs> quote, unquote. <laughs> so, Stephen, obviously after Portland Timbers, obviously you've come back to Rangers. I mean, when you left Rangers, then coming back, it must have been such a difference when you've seen the state we were in when you came back. Do you know what? At the beginning, it felt the same. I, was, I, was, I actually wanted to do an interview with Rangers TV and my... <laughs> Thing at that point. I was actually supposed to be going back to America at this point. Um, and when I was in doing an interview, Alan McCoy came in, or he was walking by the window and he's like, Why don't you come in and train? And you're was working off season, so I think it was two or three months before I was due to go back. Aye. And I've never ever been one for, I don't mean hanging about, I don't want that's the right phrase, I've never ever wanted to be back in about the training ground. I had my time, I'd, I'd left, I didn't want to go in, even though I grew up there. I knew yeah. all the stuff in the kitchen and the laundry and all that kind of stuff. I always used to get a wee bit anxious when I was ever due to go back in. Aye. But I was going to be off for three months and I thought I need to do something. So it's perfect. It's right at my doorstep. So I eventually went in and everything still seemed the same. Mm-hmm. I, the calibre of player had changed in terms of trainers. A lot of younger boys involved. Um, but that was the only thing that I initially noticed. And then when I actually did sign, because I was training there at Christmas and I didn't sign until the summer because of the transfer embargo. Aye. So when I signed in the summer again, everything felt the same. They were signing even though we are going to be in League One. Um, but then, obviously, through time, you start to realise that there's a lot that changed. Well, you were saying there that everything kind of seemed the same. Was there still a face painter employed at the club? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's one of the ones that I didn't know. I think growing up there, I think the face painter's the only person that I never met. And just, just for the record here, we have this debate all the time. John sitting there wearing a Falkirk top, but see how quickly and loudly he laughed when Chris said that. That was a good line. That was a good line. Come on. That was funny. He's a break. It's just, honestly, I'm really sorry about that, Stephen. Always low the tone, too. Always low the tone. Always. At my height, you're going to be low anyway, aren't you? You know what I mean? Mate, I'm the same height as you, you know what I mean? <laughs> Come on. We could get one of the long jackets and put you on my shoulders and maybe get served at a bar or something. <laughs> Did you enjoy your second spell back at Rangers? Honestly, no. No. Yeah. It's just, I keep going back to the fact I grew up there and everything that I'd learned and everything that I experienced at that, through that time from 90 to 24 when I left and then you go back and you see eventually the state that's actually in. Nah, yeah. The pressure, the pressure the players were under wasn't nice. Again, we were we weren't a great team. Everybody knows that. Um, but I've always said that. But I, I believe we had good enough players to go out the championship. And I felt as if we let the club down. Um, even though I mean, I think we were through League One and we never lost a game, which you would expect. Even that, I didn't enjoy that. It was just, right. it was just different. It just wasn't the way that I expected. Or I was, I no had no Rangers growing up. It was just completely different. 
Right. Know what it's like? It's like playing camp manager and getting yourself one of the best players in the third division. And I. Ah well, we done that in the championship. We were still hopeless. <laughs> that was a tough five. Was a tough, tough times, man. But we'll stop talking about it now, mate, because I can just see Paul going like that. I think the next gag, not I mean. <laughs> well, but mate, your time at Kilmarnock, you had a good. That was a good run you had at Kilmarnock. Scored a few. Good goals and a few free kicks, when not I? I seen a couple of free kicks at Kilmarnock. I did that, and it was it was probably the perfect club for me at that point as well. See, I knew, I knew whenever I left Rangers the second time, I was going to stay in Scottish football. Um, talked to my kids for a certain age when they were at school and stuff. So it was forty minutes down the road in the car. Um, and I say that time we, we we started off poor under Gary Locke and, and Lee Clark came in, and then also Steve Lee McCulloch and then Steve Clark came in. So at that point, I was I think I got appointed club captain as well. So. I was getting to the stage in my career where I was wanting to experience different things, even being the captain, having to deal with certain situations and dealing with the managers in different ways and stuff. You take more responsibility. So it was it was good a good learning experience, I think. I actually still, in the time there, I think I had maybe four or five operations in three years. But I managed, I managed to get them at the right times. So I was yeah. getting like winter breaks or international breaks and being able to play after that. So in the first couple of years, I actually played a lot of games for the amount of injuries that I had. Aye. And then the last year, when Lee McCulloch was the manager, and then Steve Clark, it just it became too much with injuries and stuff, and try to come back. So I knew it was time to stop. Maybe about six, seven months before that season actually finished. Mm-hmm. Steve Clark done some job at Kelly, didn't he? Do you know what he did? And I, actually, I've said this before. Lee McCulloch at the start of the season, I think, oh, they finally <laughs> lost the first six or seven games, and it was obviously his first job. But he'd actually signed a lot of good players, but. We just weren't fit enough at that point. I think he'd signed the boy Chris Park, hadn't he played for a while? Stephen O'Donnell hadn't he played for a while? The boy Alan Power was injured at the beginning of the season and he hadn't played for a while. So all the main kind of players that we had were all injured and just trying to come back. But as if the team had been kind of rushed together. But once they all get fit, I think they've seen how, how good a team they actually were. Aye, aye. I mean, Power's a, he's a decent player. And you've got Steve O'Donnell's a really good player. And all, man. So you've got... They've got they had a formidable team there when Steve Clark as well, man. He made them they were so so hard to beat. Could you go there and they're such a well organized team? The second half of the season, did they not they're not even on points with Celtic, but for the second half of that season. Aye, for their form, I think they were, aye. I think it was over a calendar year, I think they had the most points in the league or something like that. It was aye. It was mad how they went through. I think as I said, I think at the beginning of the season they lost seven games in a row. They lost six and drew one, something like that. Aye. Go for that to then the next over the next calendar year having the next points in the league was something again it was it was madness. What about you have any ambitions to get into management? I, I have. Um I, I enjoy what I'm doing just now. So again I've I think if anybody to ask you about me when I was playing and they said to, to tell you I was going to work with five year olds, I'd have they said absolutely no chance. But I've done Aye. it I've done it for a reason. I had to go back and I had to learn and I had to learn how to deal with people, learn how to speak to people because when you grow up in that environment I grew up in, there's certain ways that you speak to each other and nowadays it's like football's changed. So I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of liked all the people would call them old school now, but I liked the, the guys that were honest and up front. And, I mean, I grew up with guys like John Brown and Tom McLean and, and people like that. And um, as I say, people would call them old school now, but I kind of thrived in that environment. But I then had to go back and football's changed. So I've had to learn a wee bit and I've kind of went right back to the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. But as I say, I've, st- I've still got loads of time. I, ju- I just finished my license in the summer, so um, as I say, I've got loads of time, and I, I do enjoy what I'm doing just now. But I've got I'm quite ambitious as well. So I know one day I will, I will want to be a manager. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. I'll be bringing my boy down when he turns five, mate. You know what I mean? Just as long as he helps me cleaning up the stuff. <laughs> I'll get on. 
Remember, take your silver spoon down with you, Stevie. <laughs> That's not <laughs> fair. Stephen, honestly, mate, thanks for joining us. It's been great, man. I really appreciate you taking time to come on, bud. Thanks. No worries, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you. Excellent. Decent. Excellent. Fuck really you, good. man. Well, I mean, I'm going to need to go and stand outside Lennox Town with a fucking charity box or something like that. <laughs> Football daft with G4 claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Call them now on 01698 767 172. I've got another rumour for these lads. What's that? There is a rumour that if you're a fan of the show, you can now pick up your very own Football daft merch. What about that? That, yeah. I've heard that's true, by the way. I heard you can get a t-shirt, a polo shirt, a mug, a hoodie, a cap, a phone cover, and in tribute to Grado, a bum bag. And only that, you can also have football daft boxers. Oh, imagine patting your wedding and name, your beauty. <laughs> can I just say, though, this is not a rumour. This is not a rumour. This is true. It's true. It's true. Where would you get such a thing? Well, let me tell you, if you head to shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash football daft, you can pick up a range of football daft merchandise. What is that address, John? That's shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash football daft. And as we've just opened the shop, we are giving you 15% off everything for the next couple of weeks. So go to footballdaft at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash footballdaft. What do you think of that, Tom? Well, listen, I'm buzzing because surely, surely there's got to be a I'll take your jaw off t-shirt coming. Oh, surely. hey, hey, we'll get that soon, man. Look at this. I'll be wearing some clothes and everything next. <laughs> yeah, next week I'm going to have the hat, I'm going to have the hoodie, the teeth, I'm going I'm going to be a football daft full kit wanker. Yes. <laughs> hey folks, let's welcome to the show a man who's uh, starred at Rangers reaching the UEFA Cup final with um but he really made his name in England, the clubs such as Blackpool, Liverpool and Stoke City. With 26 caps for Scotland and we won any sweetest left foots in the game. Please welcome Mr. Charlie Adam. How you doing, Charlie? All good. Thanks very much for having me. Hope you're all well. I can't believe they made me do that intro. Final animals. How you doing anyway? How's the the lockdown been treating you, mate? No, it's been good. It's um, for me. It's been you know obviously for me it's been difficult because the kids and that live up north and I'm in London quite a bit and it's um, so it's been good to spend you know a good eight nine weeks at home every day working with them and. And, and, and a family life, really. But um, no, we're back to work now and looking forward to, to hopefully getting a few games to the end of the season and see what happens next year. But, uh, you know, as a football year, you know, we're so disciplined and we're like, you know, regimental. It's when that's taken away for you, it's really tough. And, you know, we, you know, it's good to be back on the pitch and, and training now. How's your training been? Has it been hard getting back into it? No, it's been good because I used to. Well, I tried to use the break as like a little mini pre-season to get myself fit for when we did come back, you know, fitter than I was because I had they played for a few weeks. I had an illness and that before the season finished and I never played for a few weeks. So I used it as a little mini pre-season to get myself into shape and, and to be fair, enjoyed, you know, going and, and doing a bit of running and that. So, no, it was good and I come back in good shape. So I think mentally as well, like being able to get out of the house, 
you know, for an hour and a half every day or an hour at a time doing a bit of exercise. It was, it was important because if you, you if you never, you know, you'd be pulling your hair out. But no, no, that many of us have got our hair on this. You make any pull his hair? I cost him thousands of pounds. I know. To be fair, I thought, I thought, I believe it, but um, no, it's it's one of these like. You know, we adapt to the situation and, and at the end of the day, getting to spend time with your kids and your missus is, 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 is yeah. a good thing to commit at some point. That's it, mate. So, yeah. listen, you're one, of, you're one of very few people that successfully grew up in Dundee. Uh, what team did you what team did you support when you were, when you were living I, there? No, I'm, I'm a Dundee supporter. I grew up, you know, watching them. Um, that was That's my team, you know. Um, I was fortunate enough at when I was growing up, we had a decent team, some decent players over the years. You know, my uh, my hero growing up was Ian Anderson. If, if many of you remember him, well, he was a oh, aye, aye. One of, he was one of my heroes. And fortunately for me, I played with him at St Martin and uh, uh, what a guy, great guy. So now over the years, we had some good players, Kenija and Nimzadze and Caballero and people like that. You know, oh, so, man. remember Caballero? Uh, what a, player player he was, man. a big Fabian Caballero. He knew where the goal was, didn't he? At one point, I thought the Rangers Celtic would have signed him. Um, he so was on fire. Mate, so did I. And he got a, he got a, he got a knee injury, and he just never really, never really done again. And um, I thought one of the two of them would have took him. But uh, listen, we didn't were lucky to have the players that they had at some point. And uh, no, they're uh, they got themselves in a bit of a mess, but they seem to have turned it around a little bit now. And obviously, the owners are American, and you know, spent a few quid, and hopefully, you know, James can. Right. Can do well next season. There's, actually, I went to school with James. So I did. Oh, did you? Yeah, below me at school, aye. Aye. Um, he's he's right hand man, Martin Harty, was uh, in my year at school. I grew up with Harty. No, he's, he's a good lad. He's a good lad. Um, and, and to be fair about him, like, you know, have a few conversations now and then about him. Because he's, you know, he's, a, he's, he's only recently stopped playing. So, you know, well, these are young players that. You know, just gone straight into management. Probably never expected to go in so quick, but he's got an opportunity, and um, he'll be better for the experiences he's had last season for next season. So I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing how he plays next season and how they do. You know, it's tough because I still kind of think him as a wee guy from when we were at school. You know what I mean? He's a and you international look- football and the manager of the D football club. <laughs> <laughs> Some people, people are like that. You know, it's because it happens so quick. There's no natural progression for him. He just gone. You know, obviously he was at in the academy, working under 18s and that, and all of a sudden he was first team manager. You know, some people just still see you as this young person that was, you know, at school or whatever. And but ah, he's a he's a good guy, and I want to see him do well because obviously he's still my team. Is but Charlie, what led to your move to Rangers then? Well, it was funny because when I was growing up as a kid, um, you know what it's like when I was never ever signed at academy, so I was going to I was going down to England training it you know, Man City or I was going to other clubs in England uh, at school holidays and things like that. But I was playing Sunday League for my, my boys club and there was a, a scout there called Murdy Stewart who was a Rangers scout at the time and he 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 invited me to go through to Ibrox. So I would I was going through to Ibrox, you know, twice a week, um, training, training on the AstroTurf across from from uh, the stadium and that. But it was a... It was brilliant because at that time Rangers were sponsored from Nike, and uh, we had a, a guy there, you know, John Chalmers. Remember John? Ch- have you heard the name John yeah. Chalmers? Yeah, He was in there and he was running it all at the time, and he was brilliant. He was brilliant with the kids and that, and, and because like 
his the the best players that he thought they were going to make it and that they all used to get like night boots. We used to get night boots all the time and all that. And he looked after us. He was brilliant with us and that. And um, so then I was I was just training, you know, twice a week playing. And I um, they were gonna I was going to get released. People were saying that you know didn't think I was going to be good enough. And um, fortunately for me, one day I was playing. Uh, on a Saturday, we used to get invited uh, on a Saturday to the games. But before the game, we used to play um, like eleven v eleven across on the AstroTurf against each other, and um, yeah. and they get type of games before the game. And um, at that time, they weren't sure if I was going to make it, if I was going to be quick enough or anything. Like that. And fortunately for me at the time, you know, people like Tommy Moore Nielsen was like assistant manager at the time at Rangers, or he was a coach, and he was watching the game. And you know, the he sort of asked who I was and what I was and what type of player I was, and and the people in the hangar were saying, "Well, we're not sure if he's going to be good enough." Blah blah. blah. And then he, um, then I got invited to come into train. I used to go in at the school holidays and and train for the week, and then I got invited in from John Brown to to come and train and play. And I, and you know, I went in for a week, trained with the under 18s, and then come by the Friday. I trained all week and by the Friday I was on the bench for the under 18s and then you know it just changed like that and all of a sudden two weeks later I was getting offered the contract to sign for Angels and uh, I remember when Paul Le Guin took over mm-hmm. that you you really started to become a regular on the team there and I remember yeah. you were playing quite a lot with Paul Le Guin there what was the whole experience with him there like and obviously for yourself you must have benefited from that because you were you were becoming a regular on the Rangers team every week yeah. I remember I obviously had two loan spells away, which was which was because I had no one who was playing under 18s at Rangers. So I was, you know, I was playing the same youth team as Burke Hutton. Um, who else was in that team? I'm trying to think. Uh, Ross McCormack. Ross McCormack was just a little bit below me. Graham Smith was a goalie who used to get called Buzz. People that um, Andy Dowie. Andy Dowie was in the in that team as Andy well. Andy Dowie, aye, so, aye. So, it was it was it was brilliant. So I um, obviously signing there full time and a couple of loan spells at Ross County and St Man, where I was quite successful at, at Ross County. St Man, sorry, we won the league and won the Bells Cup. So then we got promoted to the Premier League, and um, it was it was probably then that probably because I'd done so well and come back, you know, Paul Le Guin, foreign manager, probably never knew who I was, and there was a group of us that went up with the first team and I had done really well and he. And, you know, putting me in the first day of the season up at Motherwell, so it was, uh, that was great. Mm. Must have been a weird time, though. But, I mean, what did the whole, like, behind the scenes there, obviously we all know what happened to like when and stuff, but how did it, what was the dressing room like? What was the whole experience like? Because there was, a, obviously there was a divide there, wasn't there? Oh, it was, it was tough because it was the first time we'd had a foreign manager. He'd come in wanting to change it the way he wanted it to be, and it was difficult. And, you know, a lot of foreign managers, when they come into new country or whatever, they sort of just come in and think it's the same way and they want to just change everything. And, and it just, listen, he was great for me because he gave me an opportunity and, and you know, I see him, you know, when I was playing the Premier League, I'd see him at games and just have a chat with him and that. And I really, I really enjoyed it, you know, and obviously, you know mm-hmm. the story of Berge and everything that's happened, but that everybody's different situation and... I never. Uh, he was the one that gave me an opportunity, so I, I couldn't. I kind of said anything bad. But he was always there to help me. And listen, the training was tough, and you know he was bang on it every day, and um, it, it was. But um, no, it was. Uh, it was a great time for me because 
playing for Rangers in front of 50,000, the opportunity to go and play. Um, you know, that's right. what you've been working since you were 16 to getting your opportunity and debut and things like that. It's, you can't, you don't take it away. And it's, um, no, it was, it was great times. Well, right. after that, uh, Walter Smith took over. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he got you involved in the Champions League as well. He's running the FA Cup final, as we mentioned earlier. Um, you, get, you get voted the Young Player of the Year that year and you scored in an old firm game. Yeah. Um, why do you think that your time at Rangers, your time at Rangers came to an end so quickly? Listen, I, I will always back my ability over anybody in the, in the club. I felt that I was good enough. I was, you know, a lot of the times when I played, my frustration was that when I got an opportunity, it was always in the big games. So I would either play Celtic at Parkhead or Celtic at home, Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen away. You know, you would probably say the more tougher grounds in Scotland to go and play at. And I, but I, I was just wanting to play every week, week in, week out. And obviously when you've got players like, at the time they spent money on Steve Davis, they brought Kevin Thompson in. Listen, top players like, you know, Fergie was there, Lee McCulloch was in midfield. Surely, though, if you look at, if you look at that, when he, they're putting you in in the big games, surely that's a vote of confidence, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're the one that's getting in there, you're obviously one, the one that can be trusted the most. I understand. You know I mean? No, I do believe that, but it's, you know, it was, you know, when you, when you want to play, you want to play every week, you know, you want to feel like you're the main, you main stay in the team where, you know, you're the main player in the, not the main player, but at least you, you're going to be an opportunity to play every single week. And I felt that I just got to a point where I was, I might play in the old firm and I wouldn't play for three weeks and then I'd get brought in for another game. And it was just, it was just what it is. And when you're playing at a big club, there's always players there that are, that are capable of coming in and playing. And, um, you know, and I, I, it was just a frustration really. And then, you know, at the time, I, you know, they sold me and, I would never change it. I, I learned a lot there. It was a great background, great discipline the start of it, right until the end, and thoroughly enjoyed my time there. One of the best celebrations, man, as a goal, man. I remember the goal you scored against Stuttgart in the Champions League, man. I nearly, I nearly broke my neck, honestly, with the ceremony, my mates. What a goal that was. What it a was, night. No, it was amazing. It was amazing because the Champions League, everybody's heard the music, the, the excitement. We qualified for the Champions League, and the group obviously was with Leon, Barcelona and Stuttgart. And to get an opportunity to score in the Champions League was phenomenal. And the Hutz has picked a ball sort of like, you know, 45, 50 yards away for goal. Dribbles past three or four. And then you're just thinking, I don't even know why I cut in on the right side as well. And I've just bent May it. I, the con- <laughs> I just when you, went... When you cut on your right. I know, and that's what it is. I, I just was... went sticking and, I, you know, you, the enjoyment and the, this, the you know... Nobody can take that feeling away. Scoring at Ibrox is, is phenomenal. 50,000 there. And it's, uh, no, it's, it's a great feeling. And hopefully it's, um, it's one that people will remember. Um, well, but I remember the away game as well where I was on the bench and uh, somebody yeah. got injured in that. And he put me on straight away. And I said to the lads as I was walking in, it was a corner. And I think Boyd and that were on bench. I said, I'm going to score you for this corner. And the lads were laughing and that. And I come on straight away within 30 seconds I'd scored. And uh, it was just brilliant. We, we won <laughs> As well, so it was uh, no, it was great, great nights. You know, obviously, the European nights in the last few years have been brilliant as well. So, Aye. not just at Rangers, but also at Celtic Park as well. The atmosphere in the Champions League or European night is incredible. And the lads talk about it in England now. What do you think? I says it's the, the atmosphere is incredible. You, until you can actually go and watch an Old Firm game or a European night, it's 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 amazing. 
Well, like you were saying there, that it, that it goes against Stuttgart or something for everybody to remember. And I'll be honest with you, Charlie, I don't remember either of two of them, but I remember your goal for Blackpool in the playoff final. Yeah, the But the thing is, like that season, I'd scored two great free kicks against uh, Hibs at Easter Road. Identical positions, um, two, two similar free kicks. And I, um, no, it was, listen, it's it's great time. Scoring goals are, are, are one of the best feelings you can have. And yeah, the, obviously going to, to Blackpool was was a shock for me. It was you know I was I was a bit, I was heartbroken when I had to leave Rangers um, because that's all I knew. I know that all I knew had obviously been to Ross County to man. But you know when you think one thing about when I was at Rangers, David Murray used to always say say to the players, when you leave Rangers, it's always a step back, and that always played in my mind. And, and it, you know, when I thought, right, I'm leaving Rangers to go to Blackpool here, and I thought, this is a major step back. You know, I was thinking, right. But I used it as a motivation to go and kick on again, and lucky for me, I, I managed to do that. But I, mate, what I want to know is, Ian Holloway, what did he <laughs> like when you were at Blackpool? That's he must have some great stories, Sorry. man. Yeah, he was, he was unbelievable. And I just, there was a few stories about him. When, when I was having a chat, I was away in pre-season with Rangers and he used, to, he used to phone me every other day saying, listen, you know, I want to bring you here and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, you know, because I, I wasn't too sure if I wanted to go to Blackpool. And he said, no, no, come here and I'll progress. I'll meet you. I can, I can see you're going to be the main man in the team. I'm going to build a team around you. And I'm going to get you to Premier League. I believe that your ability is good enough to get you to play in the Premier League. And I was once he started saying things like that, you've got to believe a manager and trust the manager. And fortunately for me, he did. But there's so many things. We we go and start training like probably have to be in for say ten o'clock. And at the time, we didn't really know. And then we found out he had two daughters are, are, are deaf, so he'd come in and he'd explain everything and. He'd had a bad night with his daughters and the things were happening in the schools. And, but he was explaining it to us and telling us. And, and then he'd just go on a tangent about something else that happened in the news. And, and then by half 12, one o'clock, we still had the train. We still sat there waiting for the train. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the lads, the lads are like, right, Gaffer, are we going to train? He's like, nah, you're all right. We'll just leave it today and that. So then... <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like he just had to get something off his chest, but he wanted to share it with us because you know he loved every one of us. He was he felt that he, he trust in us, and he just wanted to enjoy it all, and he shared it always. And then there were some days like we'd come into train buzzing for it, and this is like I'm talking a Thursday, the day before big, you know, a Thursday before a big game or whatever. But say, lads, I don't feel it like this today. We're going to go to the calf. So we used to walk around for the training room to an old calf where all the builders and that were out. Like, used to go in for the breakfast. 20 lads, 25 lads would tip in, eat bacon, sausages and that, full English breakfast. And the lads just go after that. And just, that was what it was like. It was just, it was just brilliant. Just, man management was incredible. And he was Aye. just, he was on it all the time. And then we played Derby at Christmas time and we were, we were near the bottom of the late, like mid table and that. We were playing Derby. And normally we'd play like stay over the night before and he said, right, lads, I trust you so much that I'm going to get Christmas Day off. You, you must meet at the hotel if you want to get on the bus at the stadium, but, but you've got to be at the hotel for half 11 for pre-match. So he sits there, he gets his all pre-match and he said, right, lads, I've seen this thing. I was, I was watching telly last night and I've seen this, so I've come up with an idea. In that room, there's 11 teddy bears and your name will be under it. If your name's under it, you're playing. And if not, the rest is the subs. So you've got to go in 
see if you take your names there with teddy bear and that. So we had to take the teddy bears in our bags to the game. So we're sat walking off the bus, lads, with teddy bears and, you know, so that we knew the team and that. But he was just amazing. He was a great guy. Still <laughs> speak to him now. And he just, he's never changed. He just loves the game. And, you know, I'm surprised that, you know, he's never ever had probably an opportunity to, come, to go up to Scotland and manage because I think he did really well up there. I think there's a lot of bad talk about him for the Hearts job or something like that early on I, this I, season. I, I, I thought he would be good for somebody like a Hearts or, or, or Hibs, somebody like that, you know, that can express herself. He's an honest guy, he'll speak his mind, and, and I think a lot of sports would enjoy him. He's a great character as well, and hopefully... Jack, you know, if he, like the way you said he got in touch with you when you were pre-season with Rangers and he wanted you so much, and you yeah. always build a team around you, how hard did it then become... Or how did he accept? Because obviously, when Liverpool came knocking, how hard was it to say to him, look, I want to go? No, he, he was all for it, me going to Liverpool. Aye. He never, he never he never stopped me. It was like, he believed, he knew that it was the right move for me. He was like, he, he was desperate for me to go to Liverpool. And I, at the time, when I was, it was life-changing for me going from Blackpool to Liverpool. And I, last day of the window, I... You know, I went into the chairman's office and I sat there for a full day trying to get the move to happen. It never happened. Probably it's wrong, but you know, when you get an opportunity, you never think it's going to come back again. And, and lucky for me at that time, you know, Liverpool and, and were always on the phone once we the window had closed. They, they, you know, must have spoke to my agent two or three times during that period from the Christmas to the summer. No, no, we still want the deal to happen. We'll make sure it happens. Blah blah. blah. And they were rightly so. They they made it happen, and it was it was great. What was Kenny Dow like? Ah, he was unbelievable. He was a great. He just, you might have heard the story, but I'll, I'll go for it again. But when I, um, well, he wanted me to go, to come, obviously, and uh, my agent at the time, he was, um, he obviously knew and he was speaking to him, and he just got a call, and I was at home, and he said, "Listen, Kenny wants you to go around the house," and I said, "To where?" He went, "No, nah, we need to go to his house. I'll pick you up, and we'll drive to his house." And I said, "Oh, okay then." So I was so nervous, but excited at the same time. And I was phoning my dad saying, listen, going around to Kenny's house, I'm thinking it's only going to be, you know, a quick chat and blah, blah. And so I get to his house, tips up there, he opens the door and he's in his slippers, his pyjamas, watching thingy. So I get in the house and the ride at the, the Masters is on, he's watching the golf at the time. And um, he said, do you want a cup of tea? I said, yeah, yeah. I says, oh. Mrs. in America, she's been on holiday for a few weeks and that, so I'm, I'm here on my own. I'm not sure if the milk and that's out of date, but, um, you know, the, the kettle and that's in the kitchen, just put it on and, and, and make a cup of tea. So I was like, I'm in his house making cups of tea for him, you know, and he's like, the, bris the biscuits are there, blah, blah, but I'm not sure if they're out of date, but we'll just leave them and that. And, and we had a chat for like five minutes about football. The rest of the time we was sat watching the golf, like... So this is what it was, but he was just a great guy and lucky that I managed to work with him for a year and I really enjoyed it and, you know, everybody knows what he is in Scotland. He's an icon and um, yeah. a great guy. That was some side point, wasn't it? What about the players that you played with? Suarez, Gerard? Yeah, we, we had some great players, but we just, in the league, we were inconsistent. Um, you know, reigning goals, Glenn Johnson, we had Agar, Carragher, Skirtle, Enrique, myself, Henderson, Downing, Carol, Suarez, Bellamy. Um, now we had some great players, but we just some great players, folks. But, it, but, it, but <laughs> at that at that time, United United was strong. Uh, um, you know, 
Man City were strong as well, and Chelsea, and mm-hmm. well, it was. But you know, that's when you're playing for a top club. You need to be consistent every week, and it's it's the same with the lads at Rangers. You know, it's it's all right going and playing, but you've got to win every week, and that's what it, that's what that's what it matters to Liverpool. You know, how did you find when you went to Blackpool to Liverpool? Like, see, like, like for example, your first day training with they kind of players. What was what was it like? Was experience just the, well, the lads. They're top players, weren't they? So you're always like, when I was, I, I unfortunately being at Rangers has helped, has helped me, but going to Liverpool was, a, you know, it was, it was brilliant. I, I was nervous, I was nervous now. And, and obviously, when I went there, obviously, Steve, who played my position with midfielders and that, and I was quite in awe of him a little bit, where, you know, obviously playing against them and, you know, he's this, he was a top player, but he was a great guy. That was one thing about him. He was really welcoming, you know. Just for me, the unfortunate thing was I never really got playing enough together with him because, you know, we were actually we had a good partnership when we played together, but he obviously suffered that season with a groin injury and, and, and never really played as much oh. as he probably would have liked. Um, but, no, nah, it was it was great times. But first training session, I, yeah, I was nervous and I thought every time I gave the ball away, I was thinking that these must think I'm shite. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but as, as the more you train and the more you get used to it, it was just become comfortable and natural and uh, now it was a great time. He was just just the way he is now. Like He was just the same on the pitch as he was in the training. He was like, he was a great guy. He, you know, he wanted to have a laugh and a joke, but when he was on the pitch, he was ruthless. He was like, Wanted to, he was just, he was fighting, scrap for everything. I mean, Carragher would just, you know, they would lay lumps at each other at times with it, you know what I mean? But he just, he just loved that, I mean, that competition and winning and want to be the best player. And the goals he scored were phenomenal. He was a, he was a phenomenal player. Do you know what though? Like you said there, he would argue that Black was right on on the pitch, right? But uh, did you see him last season? When he went through and he went round the goalie and he went across the ball across and the goalie saved it and he claimed handball against the goalie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's him, like, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I feel about the. That's what I noticed with the the, 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 the the top top players, the mentality of them compared to you know you. There's good players and there's there's the top players. The mentality of the. Single-minded. That's what he was thinking. And just I want to be the best player I can be, and he was just—he was a great player. But you know, a great guy as well. You know, I said like to have a laugh and a joke, a bit of fun and a bit of banter as well. So he, no, he was really good. If, he, if he's in your team, he's unbelievable. But if you're playing against him, you know, you'd be—you'd be frustrated because you're in, he, you're in but, for a tough shift, aren't you? Uh, yeah, but um, no, he was—he was a top player. Seems like the sort of guy that would nip you and all that when you're standing with your his back to you, like nip you and all that. And fucking... Yeah, no, I just, he was more, his movement not was incredible. He was a great player, do you know what I mean? Like, awareness of people and defenders around him and he's, to finish, his finishing was, was brilliant. Aye. Basically what I'm asking like is, did he, ever, did he ever bite you? That's, that's <laughs> what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he got, obviously got in, he got a bit of bother a couple of times and, you know, the decisions were made and it was the wrong thing to do but he was um, he was a competitor and he wanted to win and you know you don't end up at Barcelona if you don't you know if you've not got that no exactly, exactly. You know I mean? and him and Messi the partnership that he's got and obviously Neymar left but the three of them were they were incredible for, for together aye so your, your time at Stoke and all Charlie so what was Tony Pulis like it was hard for me because 
you know, when I when I first went there, I, the intention when I left Liverpool was I thought, right, I'm going to go there and I'm going to play in, in regular. And then I, I was there for three or four months, and obviously the Christmas time that was when I lost my dad in that Christmas period, and that was tough for me um, because it was a massive influence on my career and my life as well. But then I lost lost my way a little bit, as in mentally, I just it was tough for me uh, being a football yeah. player. And, but then I had to go and see people and, and realise that I had to get my mind back on it, and I did. And, and then by the January window, they, he as a manager felt that um, he wanted to get rid of me and felt that the move probably never worked as well as it could have done. And, and that, listen, I was done to a lot of things, and you know, fortunately for me, I couldn't, I couldn't move anywhere because I'd played for Liverpool in the Europa League against Hearts, played for Stoke, and you can't play for three clubs in the one season. So I, could, I couldn't move, so I eventually stayed and never really played from January up until I think it was about March or April when we were, we were struggling but third, fourth bottom of the league and he put me back in and then I stayed in really to the end of the season and we stayed up and then Mark Hughes come in and I uh, really enjoyed that I ended up with seven I think it was seven years I ended up still and loved every minute of it it was a great club and you know it's a club that I want to see do well um, because they're, they're good owners good people there and um, you know it was, it was tough to leave I bet see the thing is you're going there, you enjoyed moving to Stoke well when Mark Hughes took over. Mark Hughes seems like a bit of a grumpy bastard to me. <laughs> no, do you know what? That's a good laugh. Like you wanna have a laugh and a joke and, and he's good, really good manager. She probably never got the the plaudits that he did, you know, at Stoke. We'd finished three top tens and it was um just listen, we'd sing. The, the signings that we made weren't were the great at times. Um, it was difficult, but um, no, we've done well. And um, fortunately for him, when we lose a few games, you end up getting the sack. And um, you know, we we changed managers, and it was it was then, you know, we changed managers quite regular after that. And that was that was tough. Tell me this one: see when you were in training with, with Mark Hughes, right? Mm-hmm. You were, you've got a reputation of being a fantastic passer and air ball, right? Yeah. Um, Mark Hughes was one of the pioneers of the scissor kick volley. Did you ever Somebody. just take a ball and used to go out and you ping balls into him to scissor kick volley into the <laughs> no, he wouldn't really, he wouldn't really get involved because he's he, a little bit older than that. But he just said like his groins and that. He, the older you get, the weaker he got. And he said like, if I ping any balls in that, he said, I'd just end up losing my groin. So he's like, he never really got involved. He'd, he'd have the odd shot here every now and then, but would never, never be on it. No, like that volley he scored at Man City when he was manager. Have you seen that one? On, on <laughs> <laughs> aye, I've seen that, aye. But has he ever scored a 65-yard screamer against Chelsea? 67, it was. 67, there we go. Talking to Charlie. That's a good number, Charlie boy. That's a good number, <laughs> man. <laughs> nah, listen, nah, I was, um, I've tried it often enough and it was eventually, at one point, it was going to come off and... Um, yeah, I was when it came off, it was incredible. I was just, I was buzzing. Do you know what I mean? To to chip a goalie of Courtois caliber and che- to do it at Chelsea, Stamford Bridge was was incredible. You know. If I remember correctly, you actually around the applause for the Chelsea fans for it as well. I know Mourinho actually, Mourinho um, actually spotted me, like spoke to me after the game, and, uh, and he couldn't believe it um in the tunnel and I was like what a strike like and then he said in his press conference he said like if you Messi or Ronaldo and they score that goal you'd be talking about it for the rest of their lives you know what I mean so it was a it was a great great moment but um listen we we lost the game <laughs> that's the, the the hard thing we lost the game two one but I'll I'll tell I you have, I have Mourinho says it was offside 
I was definitely not for my pace, I'll tell you that. So how's things been at Reading then? You're now obviously at Reading. How's things gone there? Oh, it's been, listen, it's been, I've enjoyed it because when, when I first came in, I was Portuguese manager and, um, yeah, I found it quite difficult. He was, um, he, did, he didn't fancy me at the start. I knew that straight away. Um, but, you know, I only, I came to the club because the, the system manager at Stoke was the director of football at the time and he, he wanted me to come in and try and help the dressing room, use my experiences of the championship and change the mentality of the team. Um, and, you know, it was a different type of type of job, really, and um, never really played at the start of the season. And the manager got sacked, and, and he came in as manager, and I got an opportunity to play, and done really well. And, you know, hopefully my influence in the dressing room, you know, managed to change the mentality of the players. And, you know, we're looking forward to, to, to the rest of the season. And, no, it's been, it's been a good move. It's been tough because family is still up north, and I've right. been down south. It has been tough, but, you know, we adapt to it, and um, we'll, we'll keep going. And, it's a different experience, you know, and that's what I was actually going to say. Yeah, I mean, like you're you're down south, your family's obviously still up here. You know, mm. don't consider maybe phoning up McPeck and saying, "All right, Jamesy boy, fancy a fancy a midfielder." Ah, uh, well, my 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 missus and kids are in Blackpool, so that's up north to me. So all right, look, that's not up north for Christ's <laughs> But um, no, it's one of them where obviously when I when I when I went to Blackpool, I just settled an area. I loved it. Married the girl from there, and and uh, we've got kids, and our, her family are there as well. So when I'm here, you know, our family around the corner. So that that was half the battle that we stayed there because you know the kids still go to school, and she's around her family, and you know when I'm here, it's it's easier for her, and she gets help. So. It's one of these where we tried it for a year and you know it's, it's been okay and um, well if I could you know, we we'll see what happens next year yeah I don't know what's going to happen but um, no I want to keep playing and hopefully you know these opportunities could keep coming up. Brilliant. Well, Charlie, every week on this podcast we get the guests to do a wee quiz. You up for it? No, go on then. So we put our guest football knowledge to the test with a ninety-second quiz. The good doctor, Kenny Jukers, at the top of the leaderboard with 13. Barry Ferguson and Owen Coyle are just behind him on 12. Looking good the rest of the board with that. He's on 12, mate, aye? He was, he was the leader for how many weeks? Until two weeks ago. Aye, he was just the leader up until two weeks ago. Doing the rest of the board, we've got Alan Archibald, Brian Crunter on 11. Murdo McLeod's on 10. Ian Murray and Lauren Shankland are on 7. Lee Miller, Jordan Young, Ross McCrory and Bob Malcolm are on six. Frank McAvenny and Dick Campbell are on five. Peter Lovenkranz is on three. And holding up the table at the very bottom is David McCracken on one. Anybody wow. want to beat in that leaderboard, Charlie? Barry Ferguson. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> right, but I need to make you aware. See if you've ever played for Falkirk, you get an extra 30 seconds, don't you, Stevie? No, you don't, you don't. <laughs> Oh, one of them, I'll look after your own, huh? <laughs> right. It turns so into a 120-minute quiz. <laughs> so, are you ready? Are you ready, Charlie boy? I'm, I'm getting... Lubing my lips up, making sure I get this. These are as quickly as possible for you if you want to beat Barry. Yeah. You're not allowed to pass
Right, so your time starts now. What two teams played in last year's Scottish Cup final? Oh, Celtic and Hibs. Who finished bottom of League One in Scotland? Oh, it wasn't it Partick? It was uh, who got relegated? Stranraer. How many games did Rangers have left to play this season? Uh, 11. And what year did you move to Liverpool? Oh wow, uh, 2011. What Scottish League 2 side famously had a hedge at the side of its ground? Oh, hedge, hedge, hedge. Uh, Breaking City. Which club did Morelos join Rangers from? Helsinki. Who is the current manager of Blackpool? Neil Critchley. How many points did Dundee United finish on in the Championship? 65. What was the score in your Scotland debut game against Austria? 1-0. How many yards is the penalty spot away from the goal line? 12. The Loons are the nickname of which Scottish club? 4-4. Four, four. Who did Man City play in the first game when the Premiership returns? Did they play... Uh, Aston Villa. Which street, which street did Tanner Dyson Dens Park sit on? Uh, oh, um, oh, it, uh, Tannadice Street. Well, what was published fee for your move from Liverpool to uh, from Blackpool? Nine. Get in there, answer the question. Ask the question, let him answer it. How much did you sign for Liverpool for? Nine million. Nine million. I thought it was twelve. I wouldn't have got that one right anyway. Right. You've done alright now. You've done alright. We get through a decent amount right. of questions. We'll go through the raw answers then, boys. Um, what two teams played in last year's Scottish Cup final, Charlie? It was Celtic and Hearts. Uh, Rangers had <laughs> nine, nine games left to play this season. That nine league games or nine plus the Europa League? Nine league games. Nine oh, league. here we go. <laughs> two Europa League games as well. Yeah, but no, then you only have one, one, one so that'd be ten. Why? Because they've already because they've played, played the first leg. Good try, <laughs> Charlie. Good try. Fuck's sake, Adam. Get, get the reflection program. Yeah. yeah. That was a good guess, though, wasn't it? That was decent. Uh, how many points did Dundee United finish in the championship? It was 59. Um, apart from that, uh, Man City played Arsenal in the final turns. Now, this is a big dispute here. I've got down 6.75 million your move from Blackpool to Liverpool. Is that right? Well, I, I I thought it was nine. Right, well, do you know what? You know better than Wikipedia does, Charlie, so we'll put down, we'll give you that one. We'll give you that it's one. Nine. So, your score is... You didn't beat Barry Ferguson. It's nah. ten. 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 No bad, by the way. Effort. That's a good effort, Charlie. You're in there, you're... Where are you? Your own... Same with Muddle McLeod on ten. Two, two good strikers, yeah, Bolly. Two good strikers, yeah, Bolly, sitting on ten. <laughs> that, like, before, before we end this, right? Remember, I said to you at the start of the show, nothing's ever meant with malice on here, right? Yeah. Tell me this that song that they used to sing to you about your sister's pants, that must have been a fucking pain in the arse. <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what, right? It just comes from nowhere. But <laughs> I Listen, I understand a little bit, and you know, I take a bit of banter, but it is what it is, you know what I mean? Fucking. Yeah. I've, I've been abused more times than worse has been said as well. So, <laughs> so what, 
tucks back in. You know what? If they're singing about me, they're not singing about some. They're not singing rubbish about something else that's worse in the, in the world. You know what I mean? Uh, so you're right, mate. Uh, you're right. But nah, that was just me as a wee bit tongue in cheek, mate. I hope I hope yeah. I didn't push you off there. His sister's absolutely gutted. That's why she said to me, "Don't ever come back to Scotland to play." But uh, <laughs> Charlie, you've been a brilliant guest, mate. I really appreciate you giving up the time to come on, mate. Thanks uh, so much. Hey, time lads. Thank you very much for having me. Football daft with G4 Claims. Find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at G4 Claims Limited. It's now time for a Beer 52 teaser. For your chance to win a case of beer, all you have to do is answer the question we put to you. Last week, we asked you, who are five members of the Scotland Euro 96 squad that went on to manage in England? The answers were Colin Calderwood, Colin Hendry, Stuart McCall, Gary McAllister and Billy McKinley. Billy McKinley. Billy McKinley. He was one of the winner, Callum. And this week, let's see if you can get this one without Googling it. Who is the only Scot to play against England without winning an international cap? Right, John, I need clarification here. Is it Who is the only Scot to play football against England without winning an international yes, cap? It's a football show, Chris, yeah. I have no idea. You're a fly man. Don't get fucking wide, all right? <laughs> We'll take a jaw clean off you, John. <laughs> oh, John safety, jaw swinging. You, you can enter by commenting on the link on the Football Daft Facebook page or tweet your answer to at Football Daft Pod. Winners must be over 18 and stay in the UK. And you can get free beer from Beer52 as well. It's a monthly subscription service for beer, which they source from some of the greatest small batch breweries around the world. They theme cases every month with previous themes, including Germany, South Africa, Korea, New Zealand, and more. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash daft, and we can sort out free beers if you cover just £4.95 for the postage. So just go to beer52.com forward slash daft. That's the word beer and the numbers 5 and 2.com to get your first case of eight beers for free. Football daft with G4 claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Get them now at notitfaultclaims.com. Well, Toe, once again, we have been left in the lurch by the big man Grado. He's hanging about with Jerry Pellini. But, mate, it was a good show, eh? It was all right, aye. It was too, well, in fact, it was better than all right. I fucking had a great time, mate, to be honest with you. Um, I'm starting to get too pally with these fucking Rangers, ex-Rangers players, man. Well, I mean, I'll not be allowed back into the chapel at this rate. <laughs> 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 Walking up to the pineapple and getting a knockback. Beach <laughs> like that, you down the road with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, brilliant guest. I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a wee bit gutted. You pulled Stephen Smith at your, at your hey. fucking pocket for the right. That's it. The cuffs hey. are off now. Hey. The it's cuffs no are off. It's no wet. You know, it's who you know, bro. Not hey, well, listen. And I've, I've got a few guys that I know, Stevie boy. Aye. Is it, is it me next week? Oh no, I, I had Jerry, it's Grado next week, isn't it? Oh, it's Grado next week. So that'll be, there'll be nobody on the Legends Lottery next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get somebody waiting in, at Gorilla. Aye. <laughs> With his, oh, waiting in the wings. Aye, just Aye. in case. 
You know that yeah. bastards like you never you can never fucking set your watch to Gregor, can you? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was a good show, mate. Charlie Adam was good, Stevie Smith was good. I'm I'm expecting big things next week for the punters. I want a big score. Do you know what? See the thing is, right? See if you're gonna be watching this on YouTube. Charlie Adam is looking like a million fucking bucks. And Stephen Smith is looking like he's doing the fucking moisturising adverts or something in the hair fucking and he's, he's a fucking boy band member. Stick on, man. He's he's Aye. doing his local gain at a Westlife tribute act every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, troops, remember to leave a review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, do your thing, troops. Oh, Tom. Hi. What to tell us your big brother story? I fucking leave it for next week, eh? Next week, it is. You're a busy show. Aye, aye. There we go. That's it. Right, only one thing for it. What did we go out? We always get a place of glory, didn't we? Roll the credits. Audio Frontier.